And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Plus minus. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot! Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. <laughs> What'd you say? Plus minus. Yeah, like, like you, Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well plus respected. Minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Warriors Plus Minus podcast. Marcus Thompson is not leading in because he's been benched. He's off ball. He's we're getting him off ball. So we well, it's the it. Warriors Plus Minus, and the, the, it, there was just too much minus. You know, <laughs> we we didn't know where the issue was in the lineup. Apparently, it was Marcus. We'll still bring him off the bench early, I think. <laughs> hopefully, I've had enough of him addressing the superstar by the superstar's actual first name. I've had enough. Did Can't he do it again? It. Did he do it again? <laughs> Once is yeah. too many. Okay. Can't okay. happen. No, his target last night was Steve Kerr. Oh, mm. yes. Target on his back. <laughs> uh, he should have called him Steven. Could have called him Mardell. That would have been even better. We are talking the morning after a 22-point win in which the Warriors didn't think they played well, which how many of those are going to happen this season? Maybe another one tomorrow. Maybe another one tomorrow. <laughs> If anything, you leave last night feeling pretty solid about the Warriors' uh, draft capital. Because just, I mean, I know no Russell, no Towns, but Minnesota's just not good. They're really bad. And, you know, yeah, I agree. I don't think the Warriors play well at all. I mean, you know, Staff played well, shot well, certainly, in, in those last two stretches. You could see other things. Ethan thinks the center is fantastic. You know, listen, the Warriors are just better than the Timberwolves. They're probably better when Russell comes back Wednesday. You know, Towns obviously is a big deal, but they weren't exactly burning it up with, with Towns either. This is terrible. I mean, they, they are a true candidate to be the worst team in the league. The Warriors have their pick protected 1-3, so, you know, who knows where it ends up. But this is what they should do, even when you're playing bad. You know, be play bad and blow the doors off. And they didn't, re- they didn't do it till the fourth quarter, I shouldn't say. They, you know, they left they them They started there. well and they closed well. I mean, that's where the 20 so That second was. quarter was, was really not good. But... They're better than them. They won the game. You know, that's how you get through it, and they better do it again Wednesday because Minnesota's just that bad. Kavon Looney deserves a segment up top because... Uh, Guess who will lead that one? Who yes. will lead the discussion? Well, I'm, I'm about to walk it down that lane for, for Ethan. I mean, he just posted a story. Uh, looks like it posted a few minutes ago, so I haven't read it yet, but on Kavon Looney, uh, who is now starting, who I think there's something like this new starting lineup, which, you know, with Wiseman was minus 73, I think, after yesterday, is like plus, I put it in my story, like plus 42 or something like that. And pretty much all of Looney's lineups have been in the positive early this season when, you know, the Warriors as a team are in the negative overall. Ethan, take it where you want. Kavon Looney. He's just a fascinating player because he's good without being good somehow. What I mean by that is he's an undersized center, no rim running, no floor spacing. I know two three-pointers made, but teams aren't going to guard him. No real post up and just plus minus king. And last season, notwithstanding, which was injury ravaged and he was bad, for the most part, that is what he has been in Golden State. He has gotten there because he knows where to be. It's about awareness and knowledge, and I've talked to the coaches about it. He is a scouting report maestro. He knows the scouting report. He executes it. He knows where to be. And that goes a tremendous way. And I think you saw that in that game. Of course, bad competition, but there are just these subtle plays he makes. He knows how to get Steph the ball. He knows when to do the ball screen. He improvises in ways that are hard to... uh, There there was one play where he was going to set a down screen, I think, on Rubio for Steph. And then Rubio did a switch that didn't work so well. And immediately, Looney, off the ball, in space, uh, instead screened the big who was guarding him. And he just makes those decisions on the fly. It's all awareness for that guy. And I keep maintaining he's a good player. 
and I would have favored actually uh, maintaining him in the starting lineup from the get-go. If they were going to make this move, why, why didn't you just start off that way? Because I thought once they made the decision to start Wiseman, which came really fast, right? It was like right out of, like he's the starter, that you stick with that. That's why I'm, you know, listen, I, we'll see how it works out against a team that's not the Timberwolves or, or not, you know, Detroit. But I thought you would keep him in there. You still play Looney. Looney's still going to get minutes. And maybe you have you play Looney more. I thought they wanted to get him Wiseman the minutes right away. Make sure he's in there with Steph and Draymond. Right every the start of every half. And maybe you close with him. But I agree. They're better with Looney. I don't think Looney's a better center, though. Uh, and I think Wiseman will, you know, will, will, will catapult past him. I understand for the right now, for Steph right now, for Draymond right now, Clearly, it's a smoother lineup, but Looney's not their best center. And I just don't know why you start with Wiseman, then pull him out, and then you have to deal with whatever he's going to feel about that. Maybe it'll be good for him, maybe it won't. I don't quite get the combination. The funny thing is I don't necessarily disagree with Tim. I I favored starting Looney from the jump and bringing Wiseman off the bench to begin with. But once you go down that road and you put that guy in the starting lineup and he's young— I do have my concerns of what that does, the, the demotion, for instance. And I think the more obvious move was benching Oubre for Lee. And so I still maintain that. Uh, I maintain both things that are a little bit contradictory. I think that Looney should have been the starting center from the get-go. And I also think that the starting lineup shakeup move probably should have been Oubre for Lee instead of Looney for Wiseman. It's Oubre or Wiseman because they're the two guys who don't pass the ball. And, you know, clearly they made the decision to, to, do, to have the rookie sit. And you can understand that in the hierarchy, this, the rookie is the one who gets it first. Although then why did you start him? I would say that you kind of messed up that hierarchy right there. And I think they want to preserve Ubre. Like if they're going to have a chance to have anything out of Ubre, they pro- Kerr probably decided that they've got to stay with him for another week or two or whatever. I guess you had to break up Uber and Wiseman because they're just two guys who just don't move the ball. They don't move the ball. They don't know how to move the ball. They don't know where to run when the ball is moving. So I guess that's the decision. I just think you kind of maybe should have thought about that before the season started or just maybe it was an overvalue of Ubre. I think Ubre is the main problem here in that starting lineup. But to kind of get a, as a workaround instead of addressing it as Ubre, I understand why they went with Wiseman. I, I, and I, I can see that all. I don't know how it helps them in the long term, but I, I can see that rationalization. The one thing I wanted to say about Looney was, like, you don't look at him like, wow, he looks in great shape. But he was just in such a bad physical place last year. You know, and I've said this before, but I remember being in, like, D.C. and some of these road trips when, like, in those small pockets of game when they were trying to bring him back. Remember, they kept trying and then going, oh, now we have to deactivate him for another two weeks. He was coming off the bench and, and right around let's say five minutes before they knew they were going to put him in the game, he would have to go behind the bench and do these like small bands things to like activate his body. And then he'd be on the court. And it was, it was like he was grimacing in pain every step he was taking. And I think part of the reason they didn't start him coming to the season, first of all, he didn't look very good in preseason. And I think there was a thought of like, they can't overburden him. And, and is he, will he ever be the player? I think part of the reason he is, you know, he, he vaulted into the starting lineup is he's just looked a little bit, each game a little bit more like, himself so that's why he you know he earns the starting spot and then if we can talk about you know the Wiseman decision the interesting part about the Wiseman aspect is his first and third quarter minutes aren't changing in raw number total right he was playing the first six minutes and then Looney was coming in for the last six minutes they've just flipped he's now playing six minutes in a better lineup too at least last night it was with Michael Mulder you want a shooter out there instead of Ubre. they've separated him in Ubre. and then supposedly if he plays well enough and earns it he can close halves like he closed a little bit in the fourth last night you know like after he basically <laughs> yeah, already yeah, blew it yeah. open he yeah, came in for count. like three minutes but but the point is like his raw minute total technically isn't really changing. It's just more about the mental side. I mean, he has to go into a press conference yesterday and, 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 you know, talk about being benched. Whereas LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards, the two other picks around him, are also coming off the bench. But they've been coming off the bench. So there isn't this whole dis- story of demotion. It sounds like we're coming off the bench. Marcus, go ahead. I don't understand the automatic presumption that these dudes are feeble-minded and can't handle it. Like... If he can't handle this, then he won't be the star that they think he is. I mean, it's really that simple. 
this is part of it. Like he gets a little bit of adversity and he's supposed to fold. Is that what the future of the franchise is supposed to do? So, so you think it's important to make Looney his AC laws, what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. I mean, is, is that the worst thing in the world? I see it during a draft. You do it, Ethan, a lot. Like, you know, Hey, who you are at 19 is who you are, right? Like, Oh, he can't do this, so nah, I wouldn't take him. He can't do that. And it's like, yo, at some point, the dude is 19 and he's going to learn and grow. Well, how do you actually learn and grow? It's from going through stuff like this. And maybe it's not getting bitched, but this is part of it. Like going through stuff, having adversity, having to, you know, be more disciplined, learn a lesson. Like I don't necessarily like this idea of automatically protecting the feelings of the 19-year-old. It's like... Come on, man. Like, suck it up. Yeah, this could be a short-term thing, too. This could just be, you know, it could be five games, ten games. If it goes well, obviously it could go for the rest of the season. If they hadn't started him at the start of the season, I don't think, it, you know, there would be conversation about it, but it wouldn't be like, hey, wait a minute. What exactly did he do? Now, the numbers aren't good. We can all see that. The starting lineup hasn't hasn't played well. I think defensively is an issue, too, even though we can see his potential there. He gets himself out of position. Ethan and I were talking before the show. It's like Looney has a lack of options, which helps him on defense. He can't jump for every pump fake because he's not going to block it anyway. And Wiseman thinks he can block everything. He jumps out of his position. I get all those things. But if they're not going to win a championship, and, and it's not necessarily about feelings. It's not necessarily about oh, this is going to be such a, a, a bad road for him. It's just that w- what are you building here for, toward other than trying to have James Wiseman be as good as he can be, as fast as he can be? And I don't think that's this season. I don't think anybody thought it was this season. So, you know, again, if it's three games, if it's eight games, no big deal. But if this is 30 games, I think there's an issue here. They went from trust the process to never mind. And so I think that invites some criticism right there. I think they built up the expectations a little too much by having him start. I think it's given the fan base expectations that are too much for Wiseman. Uh, the way he's assessed, I, I kind of agree with what Marcus was saying on how, yeah, the Warriors might say he's 19 and that might be their propaganda, but it's true propaganda. It, he, he, the, the amount of 19-year-olds who actually helped NBA teams win games, I mean, you could probably count, count them on your hand. It's not it's not a thing that often happens. And so what's important is that he has the talent and that he has the willingness to get better. And I think that we see that. Uh, the hands issue is a strange one. It's very odd. I've been talking to the Warriors coaches a little bit about it. I wonder, this is thinking out of the box, maybe giving away a story idea. I don't know. I'm really curious about how development happens. Maybe they should look to football. I mean, what do these wide receivers do? I saw an interesting clip of Chris Carter talking to Hopkins and just showing all these hand exercises where you get finger flexibility by bending the fingers back. I suspect even if player development coaches in the NBA might want to focus on hands, it's just not as essential as it is for a wide receiver in the NFL. And maybe they have some good ideas. I can't wait to go to Warriors practice, TK. There's a jugs machine. Jugs, like, jugs machine. Firing at him. Guest speaker, Michael Crabtree, right? Like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know if this is kosher journalistically, but I might have sent Chris DeMarco a link to a jugs machine purchase. <laughs> <laughs> I said, look, I mean. That's hilarious. <laughs> I think I've seen, I've heard of players doing that. I, I don't, I, I have this picture of Azili, but may, probably not. I think Azili was more of the tennis balls, right? Remember, like throwing tennis balls at Azili. But I, I said it last night. I mean, it, Wiseman gets involved with it. Like sometimes the guys have that terrible hands, bad hands, whatever he has, they're not even around the ball. He's at least around the Yo, ball. Yo, he, he touched just, like he, 20 he, balls yeah. last night. He could have had 20 rebounds if he yeah, grabbed Yeah, He just them. bats it around. He just kind of bats it around. And again, I give him credit for being in there for trying. He thinks he can get the ball, and, and the ball never it never sticks to him. I used to say this about like Larry Bird, Chris Webber. The ball was near them, and they touched it. It was their ball. Steph's like that too. Jason Kidd, absolutely like that. And with Wiseman, Kawhi, it's like, huh? yeah, Kawhi. The ball just gets enveloped in his hands. Did you see the rip steal Kawhi had the other day? Oh, yeah, it's unbelievable. That was it's unbelievable. That was it's unbelievable. And with Wiseman, it's not getting better. It might be getting worse, where it's just the ball does not stick on his hands. It looks like his hands turn into 
to like seal flippers like just it's really weird it's just the weirdest thing and i can't get over that pass that steph threw him in that laker game where there was nobody around him and he called for the ball and it goes right through his hands like he's a ghost it's just so strange it's not something i'm used to but at the same time i'm with marcus on the idea that these things can improve there's likely a pathway to improve them he doesn't have kwame brown hands he should be able to get better at this and overall I don't think he's a disappointment. I actually would say that he's been rather impressive on balance considering the age and everything else. I just think that they put him in a difficult spot by starting him um, and expecting him to contribute. I think the physicality is at times more concerning than the hands. And I think it, I think it plays a part. I think sometimes he's in the kind of in the trenches and yeah, he's reaching up, but he's getting kind of bodied around and he's just not used to people that are stronger than him around him and you know like I see him a lot of times going up the court looking at the referee like Ed Davis was tugging on my jersey man and I'm getting hit and it's just you know and I even when I did that interview with him I was talking to him he's like man all these bigs have all these tricks that I've never experienced and the way they like hip check while I'm trying to run over here he probably fell on the floor like three times last night you know as he's like coming in and a lot of that I think he just I think you can become a a, a better catcher when you're not you know, when 50 other things aren't going on in your brain slash body, when you're just getting slammed here. It's perception to, overload. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think there's some of that. But overall, like if he was getting bench bench, like if he was like they were taking him from the starting lineup to DNPs, I would think that was a major, major developmental mistake. But like I said, he's getting the same amount of first and third quarter minutes and really in a better lineup that fits him better because there's an extra spacer instead of Kelly Oubre in that lineup. And as long as the coaching staff is committed, and I assume they are too, hey, he looks really good tonight. Let's say it looks like a Spurs game where he comes in and gets three lobs and it's against a team that you know isn't really exploiting him much defensively. If Steve Kerr then goes, you know what, we're going to go back to him. We're going to give him a second stint in this half, a second stint in the second half. Then, you know, he's still going to play anywhere between 15 to, to 24 minutes, which he kind of was already. So it's really not that big an issue, I guess. Yeah, let's see if they do that. I don't know that they will. I mean, you know, again, they could do it against the bad teams. I don't know if they're going to do it against the good teams. You know, they close with Looney a lot anyway. Uh, and so I don't know if they're going to do that. We heard Kerr talk about it after the last game about, you know, is this going to be a developmental year? Organizational decisions, we'll have to talk about it. And we all went, hmm, that's interesting. And we all thought it meant Ubre. And maybe it did partly mean Ubre, but maybe he was meaning Wiseman too. Like, let's not make this a purely developmental season. Although I thought he was in on that, by the way. I thought he was. But maybe he's saying, like, hey, let's try to win. Let's try to maximize as much as we can this season. None of us thinks they're going to win a championship. But maybe it's like, hey, you know what? Wiseman's going to develop as Wiseman, as Marcus says. He's going to develop as he's going he's to gotta get through stuff. You know, he's going to have to get through stuff this year, next year, the year after that. This is how you become a really good NBA player. But also, I think, and the rest of the organizations thinking, eh, you know what? Let's not just have a guy running around with Steph Curry and Draymond Green who doesn't know what he's doing. Let's not do that right now. And maybe that was an organizational focus they had to do. They had to kind of switch up, which, again, that kind of Maybe Steph and Draymond said something. Like, hold on, bro. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. I want to give a little more defensive Wiseman, too, because I think it's a real thing. Like, the plus minus, it's not just Dubre, It's that he doesn't know where to be. To my mind, that's ex that, that is completely expected. But when you look per 36 minutes, James Wiseman, 20 points, 10 rebounds, 2.4 blocks, over 50 from the field, getting fouled to free throw attempt 5.2. That's pretty good. I know that it's superficial, and I know that there are devils in those details of how he's getting those stats, but that's pretty good. And I would say additionally, nobody makes plays for him. And Steph is potential i mean steph is a really good passer when that's the primary focus in that game last night i saw a bunch of plays where it just looked like steph was missing him where it could have been a lob it could have been a dunk and it seems like the only guy who might be interested in making plays for for wiseman uh in the minutes he's had it's nico Mannion and pool i mean who aren't necessarily i mean Mannion might be an NBA player. I don't think we think Poole is. Uh, for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem whoa, like... Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're saying I'm forgetting about Draymond? Is that is that what you're saying? No, he's, he's, he doesn't like the Jordan Oh, Poole. yeah, your Poole like defense. Jordan Poole shot. Yeah, like your, your Poole defense. Jordan Poole will be dominating Orlando in a better I was going to say, is Ethan saying that Wiseman's going to go down to Orlando with the, big, the Warriors' big three in Orlando? In <laughs> well, he would, get, he would definitely get a lot more touches. It just seems like for whatever reason... 
they don't totally know how to play with him either. It's not just him not knowing how to play with them, is what I'm saying. I stick with this. He is their best center. Now, you know, how we what we define best, in my mind, it's a 19-year-old who you can see is going to be very good at some point. And I think, you know, relatively soon, whether that's a year, half a year, whatever. And that doesn't mean he fits perfectly with them, but the point is to make it fit with them. Again, this could be a two-game, six-game, ten-game pause. But if it's longer than that, I don't understand a lot of what they're doing. I'll just put it that way. Well, they're not winning a title with Kevon Looney as their starting center. No, absolutely uh, not. They could win a title if they develop him. That's what's so weird out of all of this. Like, through all of this, there's been, like, this, uh, you know, this emphasis on this group, this starting group, blah, 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 right? Let's just make them work. Let's make it up. This will not be the starting group. Like, I don't, it doesn't matter. When Clay can walk... Clay is in the lineup, right? Period. So whatever they develop now won't be the same next year anyway. So that's why I didn't never understood the stringent, we got to make this work, we got to make this work. Kelly Oubre will not be, if he sticks with this team, will not be a starter. Like, he just won't. Yeah, and he can't stick with it because he's going to want $14 million again. There's just no way they can pay that. We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. The reality is Draymond Green and Steph Curry want to win now. This Warriors team wants to win now. We understand the future look, but like they get really frustrated when they lose two in a row, when they lose to the Knicks at home, when they lose to the Jazz. That's what changed their mind on it. And I assume Steph Curry and Jerry Green were very likely in the conversations about moving Wiseman to the bench. They probably have been part of telling Wiseman that you know, this isn't something he needs to be super disappointed in. What's interesting is, like, look at Charlotte. You know, LaMelo Ball only played 17 minutes the other day. He had five turnovers. He was criticized by James Borrego game. His minutes have kind of gone down in the last couple of weeks as he's played a little bit worse. And Charlotte, it technically, is kind of in the Easter Conference playoff race, particularly with the seeding, you know, going all the way down to 10 now. But the expectation is, as it is with Anthony Edwards, who also is coming off the bench in Minnesota, as the season goes on, as Minnesota really flames out from, you know, any type of, you know, current competitive hopes, and Charlotte probably the same, even if they're the ninth seed and make the play in, LaMelo will probably eventually get a starting spot. Edwards will, and they'll probably play 25 to 30 minutes a night as the season ends, because that's usually what high lottery picks do on bad teams. Where James Wiseman's situation is different, and I think we all believe that him going to the Warriors and being in this environment will help him in the long term, kind of hurts him in the immediate. Because Charlotte and Minnesota don't have a Steph Curry late prime situation. A Draymond Green, we need to win now. Uh, are you forgetting about Gordon Hayward? Are you forgetting about... Uh, Gordon Hayward, who had like 40 the other day. <laughs> but no, I, I guess my point is, this team freaked out about getting blown out by the Utah Jazz. The Charlotte Hornets and Minnesota Timberwolves are not freaking out about getting 
blown out by the Utah Jazz because they kind of expect to get blown out by the Utah Jazz. That's a cool point. You know, I don't want to went on with Slater on that uh, all 82 to say, I thought Wiseman played pretty well against Utah, by the way. And I mean, maybe not in a team setting, but I thought he matched up pretty well with Gobert. I thought he'd like look forward to that, that big center matchup. And I thought he looked like an NBA player. And then they take him out of starting lineup. But yeah, I mean, I get all this again. It could be temporary. It could be, you know, listen, if he can't play with Kelly Oubre, then Kelly Oubre can't be on this team next season, period. That can't happen. And I think it's pretty clear because of the ages, because of, you know, the, the time in their careers. I think we've all made the decision that Oubre is a bigger problem in the starting lineup than James Wiseman. But Wiseman is the easier one for them at this moment to pull out of it. And, and we'll see how this goes in. But I think the, the clear declaration to me is, Dray- well, you can't have Draymond, Uber, and Wiseman together. Cannot. That cannot be. And we all thought it was going to be Uber. They pull out, and they pull out Wiseman. So, okay, it's the order of it instead of actual the decision. I, I can understand that. I agree, by the way, that I, I never got to declare that, but I definitely want to say I agree that Wiseman was not the biggest problem in the starter lineup. <laughs> I think these loony numbers are crazy. Like, I don't get it. Uh, I haven't read Ethan's piece yet. Uh, I'm hoping he explains it to me. I, it's unbelievable. Like, Looney just gets it done. And you watch the game, and it's like, yo, what did he actually do, really? But somehow, the numbers are just insane. Like, I could see if Steve's saying, well, how about we try that lineup right there with the big plus, <laughs> right? It's just so weird to me. It's because Looney's so it's Looney's so good at finishing uh, at, at the rim. <laughs> Wait a minute, he like misses every shot underneath the rim. He just does genius stuff. He'll just be jogging in stride and just stick to a guy he's screening without breaking stride. You didn't even know you didn't even know he was heading that way. He almost makes it look like he just ran into the guy accidentally. He's so brilliant. A lot of the nuances of the game can we do though a a press conference sidebar because i think we got we have a lot to talk about that we're trying to pack in but i want to give a compliment to slater uh after the utah game for i think teaching a master class in getting specific answers out of a coach and some people think that to really grill a guy or put the screws to him you have to I don't know, be aggressive in some way or be trying to show him up. I think it's a lot of uh, Doyle Brunson, the poker pro, putting a man to a decision as he described poker. I think Slater did a good job just asking specific questions to Kerr after that loss that forced Kerr to tip his hand that this change was coming. So I want to give that compliment and just, just put that out Slater. there. Man, yeah, I'll flip a compliment over to Marcus. He's been awesome in the zooms lately. Uh, oh, yeah. Himself. I mean, I wanted to also address uh, that. I don't know. Have you have you guys seen social media lately? <laughs> oh, my God. That's the secondary I'm, I'm side. Idiot, apparently. <laughs> the zooms, man, the zooms. I want to make this for the listener right now because they don't want us to be self-indulgent about how we are these martyrs and people are unfair. But I just want to give a little sketch it out because maybe Marcus wouldn't want to do it himself of saying Marcus was doing a great job. Marcus was doing a story. I don't know why we're talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> Are you uncomfortable? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think fans like a little behind the scenes. You were doing a story and you were constructing it by asking different players questions and you were getting a rise out of them by being irreverent and more comfortable than a lot of reporters are. I don't think Steph reacted to you saying Wardell because you said Wardell. He reacted because it's your banter and he knew you were asking the question and it was crazy to see it. This It was the number one or number two trending topic in America that a reporter called Steph I figured Steph it was because he didn't name. know who I was. It, like, it was like a voice came to him from Zoom. He's like, what? Who is that? And then who he realized. This? Yeah, wait a minute. Uh-huh? What the hell? Uh-huh? This is a good way to flip it, the conversation towards Andrew Wiggins <laughs> because I thought Andrew Wiggins had... <laughs> <laughs> so uncomfortable talking about ourselves. I'm two for two getting Wiggins to like break his you know, monotonous uh, expression. Like I've gotten two rises out of Wiggins. I'm pretty you proud of You thawed the Canadian ice. Steph was trying to get a rise out of him last night because apparently Wiggins was in the room for his presser. Steph was very interested in the answer to your question. That was, that was unique. I hadn't seen that before. Yeah. I don't know if you guys saw, but like I, I asked Steph about Wiggins, like emotions going into the Wolves game and Wiggins apparently was in the room, which we didn't know. And he was like, I want to hear that question, too. And you could tell he looked over at Wiggins. He's like, I want to hear quiet Wiggins answer this. Get up here. And then, and then Absolutely, honestly, right? 
Steph's presser went on for five more minutes, and as he's leaving the presser, you could t- it's still on his mind. He's like, ask that question. You need to ask <laughs> He's like, Anthony, don't forget, Anthony asked that question. Yeah. He stood there and heard wow. the answer, yeah. And then Wiggins gave the most, like, stale Wiggins answer. I'm like, dude, liven it up, man. What you? But what I will say is then the Minnesota guys, you know, John and, and a couple other Minnesota reporters got on and started asking him kind of the difference, which is the story of the week, right? The way he's playing and Russell's over there sitting on the bench and the Wolves are, 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 are terrible early this season. And I thought Wiggins, in his monotonous tone, actually delivered some pretty revealing comments. Yeah, I read John Krasinski's story, and I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't believe that he got into that detail. And Tibbs, I loved it with Tibbs. Oh no, I loved it with Tibbs, and he was structure. And da, 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 da. that's more than you usually get out of any player. Forget about it, Andrew Wiggins, who was you know famously not colorful and famously not anecdotal. But I thought that was pretty interesting. And you know, listen, the fact that Curry was interested, the, the, the Warriors want to see that out of him. You know, they want to see that edginess. They want to see that chip on his shoulder. He's not going to have it very often. And I, and I don't think any of us think. Oh, he went off because it was Minnesota. He just played a good game. He plays good games. He's playing more good games, way more good games than bad games this season. But I think they want to see that. Like, take the challenge. Like, take the challenge. Let's see where you go with this. And he's loving it. You can tell me, God, my God, how, how often was he smiling on the court last night? This is a guy who's, you know, we joke about it sometimes. We roll our eyes at the Warriors culture. The Warriors culture shall fix this player. They shall put, you know, oh Steve Kerr shall place his hand on his on his forehead. Yeah. Yeah, and, and he shall he shall be healed. And Draymond shall tend to his knees. That, and, and he shall jump what again. This is be. <laughs> but, well, I mean, uh, what are we going to say? I mean, he might be their most consistent, other than Steph. Rickens might be their most consistent player this season. That's something. That is something. I think this is more an indictment on Minnesota. You know, credit the Warriors, but, uh, you know, I just, I mean, even the way he's talking about me, like, I read that a lot more from a Minnesota perspective <laughs> than a Warriors perspective when I, you know, hear him talk, read some of these quotes, and, and kind of remember his time there. I mean, when's the, well, the Wolves made the playoffs once with Butler and Tibbs there, but I think that's their only time in, like, two decades you know since like garnett was there and 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 just think about the, the russell trade they made they gave their they gave their first rounder that looks so bad in retrospect no it's the whole thing yeah and, and they don't even need like the steve kerr level coaching they need mark jackson like just make them play defense just make them be accountable then things might go crazy you need to hire steve kerr anyway but like they have these talented players. I look at them like they should be better, even without Towns and Russell. Man. Yeah, they, they, they got a Kogi, and they got the guys that could run, and nothing ever happens. And then a Warrior, like they, they get into a Warrior's face, Warrior takes one dribble, and there's a clean lane to the basket. There's a problem there. And I'm not saying Ryan Sanders is bad. I don't know. But, yeah, when, when Slater says, yeah, this is about – the Timberwolves. Yes, it is absolutely about the Timberwolves, but it's also about the Warriors because they're not that. They're consistently never in me. They're just not that. And and I think the, and, they used, be, and, training, right? like, and they, they used to be right. Like they used to be absolutely that, used yeah. to be. That, they were the quintessence of that. That's why Steph didn't want to come to the Warriors, by the way, because that's what they were. And that was in 2009. It's changed since then. <laughs> and it is important to note that sometimes, again, we think it's overstated. We kind of think it's kind of them, you know, just speaking it into existence no matter what. It hasn't worked with some other players. But it is sure with Andrew Wiggins, it is sure working. This is this is a guy they can I'm not going to say count on because that's kind of implying too much. It's just something they know. They slot him in. This is our small forward. And that is a very comfortable spot for him. And it's a very comfortable spot for them. Since Ethan brought it up, can I rant real quick about this, though? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. I think people can't wait. People can't wait. I just said you just tried to kill the topic. Let, let him go. Let him go. I, I just did a radio show this morning. And I was, you know, admittedly, I had just, you know, awakened a few minutes earlier. So I didn't know what was happening in the sports world. I was thinking we were going to talk about Kobe. And the first question was about, like, my question to Wiggins last night. And can I just say, I really do not like this idea of us doing interviews and somehow they become like fodder for everybody else. I don't uh, I don't like worst. that people can take them and turn it into content. And the worst part about it, I wouldn't be so irritated by it, but I hate how it turns everybody into J-School professors. Listen, you are not question graders. You do not have the authority or credibility to determine what a good question is. You have no idea. There are people who will tell us whether we're asking good questions or not. 
and they sign our checks. <laughs> but the point of the matter is like, we're here to get answers. Like we're not here for this idea of who can ask the best question. This is not theater to be consumed. We're trying to get answers. That's what we're trying to do. We're not a part of, well, I'm not a part of a show that's designed to entertain people with the sausage making of journalism. I really don't like it. I don't like how I'm in a conversation with somebody and next thing I know, this is fodder to be discussed. And I understand, I gotta I gotta get used to it, whatever. This is my you know, what's well, the side effects of Zoom world? It's, it's Zoom absolutely, world. It's but it's I, I'm just not. I'm not with this. It's annoying because I think everybody who watches objectively and understands NBA and NBA uh, media would say Marcus gets some great stuff out of players. Marcus gets some incredible stuff out of players. Everybody knows that, and yet when they're seeing the sausage get made, suddenly there there are these critiques, and I just wonder. I mean, do you know how do you know how this is happening behind the scenes when it's not presented to you? And I also just think a lot of it is informed by if a player reacts to a question in a bad way, and this has nothing to do with Marcus, it's immediately assumed it was a bad question, and that's not necessarily the case i think that there are bad questions we hear them we talk about them uh, among ourselves i've certainly asked them before i just think that and you can't blame people for not knowing yeah and i hate bad questions but sometimes they get the best answers that's by the true way. as well sometimes yeah. they get i mean there's been rants that are incredible quotes based on terrible questions so it's, it's just what, what what do you get do you get to the truth do you get the, to the color do you get to the analysis that's the part, yeah, that I absolutely hear Marcus saying, and I completely agree. It's about what the result is. That's what it's about. And the Zoom world, but they do it with press conferences too, right? Kevin Durant and Ethan. I mean, like, like this is a <laughs> world where people analyze every aspect of that, not realizing the other conversations that are that are taking place or the conversations that have been happened a year ago or all these other things that lead up that are what we do. That's what we do. Our job is 10% the press conference. It's 90% everything else. But this is the theater, and now the Zoom call is the theater, the journalistic theater, and that's one reason I don't do them. That's like you guys like no, I haven't been on hardly any of the Zoom calls because I don't like that it's all theater, that it's being beamed to ESPN and to some guy in Charlotte and some you know some woman in Toronto and two three, five people you know in Phoenix and all can feel like they're a part of the same show. I don't like that, but it's it's reality. I'm not I'm not other than that complaint. I'm not complaining about it. Our job is to get the answer. That's what our job is. However that happens. Happens, and the best answer wins and the best story that has that answer wins this is what i went on my whole beat writer thing that that i still believe in it's like this is the day-to-day -day life and the people just dropping in on it don't get it and to some extent and this might come off poorly if you're not in there and if you're not asking questions i don't want to hear from you i don't because this is our jobs and our job is to get the result so there you go man marcus you got me on a rant for for no apparent reason I'm with that, and this, that's the part I'm talking about. It's like, look, go ahead, have fun at it. Enjoy yourself, have the kicks. This idea that because you saw five seconds of our job, you get to determine whether or not I'm good at it, that's insane to me. But also, I just want people to know you're not qualified to have this discussion. I know my questions when they're bad. I ask a million bad questions. I have a question in my head that I want to ask, and by the time I get out, it's like, dude, what is that? We know this about ourselves. We know, you know what I'm saying? We, we, we transcribe interviews and hear ourselves, and it's like, that was bad, that was dumb. Like So I just want y'all to know, like, you have no idea what you're talking about, and we know we suck half the time. The point is the answer, right? <laughs> That's literally the point. But, I mean, just because you get this little five-second snippet... <laughs> Look, fan. No, peasants. we're the peasants. You haven't, we're the peasants. You haven't earned the right to criticize. Uh, no, I, I do think something that's happening, and this is part of a broader trend that's not just about this here. I'm about to talk Kelly Oubre soon. Uh, you, yeah, okay, I just want to say it's a, it's a broader trend. It was better. People in the want past. to hear this anyway. It was better in the past before we were so observed, and this is more so what the players deal with. But the reasons people go crazy. It's the proportionality of being too observed. And in a way, it was it was better when the press conferences weren't visible to everybody.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You want to critique something, fans? Pay attention to who's asking questions and who isn't. That's what matters. <laughs> Pay attention to write down who's like actually getting in the mix and who's not. That's what you want to think about. Slater and you know the beat writers, they carry this thing. And then everybody else like eats off of it. Right? Like that's what they do. They get in there, they ask the questions, and everybody else gets to act like they know what they're talking about, all because Anthony Slater did his homework. Right? So if you really want to know like how this goes down, pay attention to that stuff. Pay attention to who had the audacity to ask, who is in there in the mix, and who is just on the side eating off of what Slater did. I ate off Marcus's plate last night. He asked the question that got the good response from Kerr on Looney. The quote is in the article, but I would also, to be defensive, I, I do surgical strikes with text messages. You know, I think that's that's all our insecurities for everybody. Yeah, it's not about you, Ethan. It's not about you. Nah, not not. What about you? I, this used to happen to TK all the time, by the way. Oh, for, God. oh, for, God. oh God. No, it would just it's be like, it just like, yo, go ahead, TK, ask the question. <laughs> Yeah, I know. To quote uh, the great it... Kelly Ray, allow me to show you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that Shams' report is uh, out by the time that we're talking about it. I assume it is. Uh, within it, there's a buzz about some behind-the-scenes conversation that includes Alonzo Ball for Kelly Ray conversation. It does not sound at all like it's any type of deep situation. But New Orleans clearly is like starting to you know, view itself in cell mode, it seems, which includes J.J. Redick and Lonzo, who is on the last year of his rookie deal. He has a qualifying offer next year of $14 million. He's been kind of disappointing. He's, I think he's shooting the three maybe under 30%. He has had some health issues here and there. But it's interesting, you know, like it, particularly because Ubre, we all know, is kind of this one-year rental on a very similar price deal. And while the shooting issues would be the same between the two. Uh, Lonzo, much more creative passer. Not as spectacular of a defender, but probably a better team defender. I don't know. It's it, it's definitely an interesting conversation. I saw that and I went, wow. Lonzo's not quite a fit for the Warriors normally just because point guard and not a three-point shooter. But who would be better for them this season and maybe into the future, or maybe they trade him as use him as a trade asset. You have a qualifying and restrictive free agency. Exactly. And to... who's better for them, Lonzo or Brad Wanamaker? And we've all praised Wanamaker. We've all said he does the things they like. He's really limited, right? He is. There's no question. He's really limited. He's Curry's closing with him and 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 Curry, which is interesting. But you could get Lonzo out there and have him guard this, you know, the second best or best perimeter player. Like those are things they like, you know. And I think he is a good defensive player. A lot of other things, and he can pass the ball. He, he, he can't shoot. But I think for the future, and even for right now, I think he would be better for them than Kelly Oubre. I am down on Oubre. I, other than, uh, the defense is, is solid, sometimes not great, and the offense is just so bad. You, you, you're changing your starting lineup to try to suit his limitations, which gets a little scary, I think. It is an interesting name at a time where it could potentially make sense for both sides. I don't know what – the Warriors shouldn't mortgage any draft capital that's like no, really no, no, valuable. No, no. And they won't. I mean, like, this is just not the year for them to be wasting draft capital to chase this season because no Clay Thompson. But you can see their rotations making more sense if you flip those two. The only danger here, or the main danger, would just be to Kerr because if Ubre lands on another team and looks like Phoenix Suns last season Ubre, I think that would be discussed. And maybe it's something that we should discuss because I would primarily blame Ubre's issues on Ubre. Uh, this season but there is something too if we are going to say Warriors culture helped Wiggins then why was it this magical elixir for Wiggins but it was poison for Ubre? and I think that's a question worth asking there have been others you know we we can name them but Omri Caspi uh, yeah I was gonna say, you always say that when I go down that road I mean Caspi was just a disaster with them and there have been others but others have been really helped who can really say there other than there is a type of player that they seem to be able to find most times did not work. It's not working with Ubre that really fits what they do, or really will get better if they if he comes to them. 
and Wiggins is fitting that, and Ubre isn't. Maybe that's on them. Maybe that's on Ubre, but it's not working. And that's why I think you know if this this is all true, I'm sure this conversation. How bad is it not working, Tim? That they're like, "Yo, Lavar, come to town." <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that'd be great. Come on, Lavar. I'm like, yeah, we'll take that. You want to sit three rows behind a bench? Yes, come on down. <laughs> I try to be sensitive and making certain criticisms of players because obviously they can do things far and beyond what we could even imagine out there in the court. But the thing I can't get past with Ubre is people who don't even play basketball, who have no skills whatsoever, can understand that if I'm in the corner and Steph Curry is running towards me, I should leave. I mean, how is that something that happened multiple times? That is something that I just can't, I can't wrap my mind around that one. And I do think it speaks to something that just probably can't work here long term. That kind of leans it into this future discussion that that I'm talking about where he has a very valuable salary slot that he's sitting on right now, you know, with this um, trade exception that has turned into him and he essentially until the trade deadline serves as a trade exception himself, right? I mean, if he goes into unrestricted free agency and leaves, they don't just get that salary slot back. Whereas, you know, Lonzo Ball is the current conversation right now because he's making $11 million, um, And is it restricted free agent with a $14 million qualifying offer that, that you have more control over? And there's other names out there in that salary range with either longer-term current deals or just maybe potentially could be more of a fit where you get their bird rights. If the Warriors believe if they begin to believe that Ubre maybe doesn't fit long-term, and if Joe Lacob is willing to keep paying absurd tax money, he'll be a conversation all the way up until the trade deadline. They have maneuverability with him, and and, and we'll start to look at that $17 million trade exception that, that they got with Iguodala a lot more favorably long-term if they if they keep using this salary slot to beefing up a rotation in back you know for the next three four years and it won't just be viewed like a hey it was a one-year rental of kelly Ubre. so his name will be keep getting floated i think i'd be surprised if they can get lonzo for him maybe they can i don't know but if they could you know if it's not very costly like yeah the future rights of, of lonzo is just like you could do something like you could either trade him you could keep him same salary so you, in the tax you're ready in the tax you know, he could take some minutes off of Steph for sure. Like, we're, you know, just you're not going, oh, my God, Wanamaker might cost us six points in, in, in this six-minute run. He might. Again, they really like him, but he might. Every time he's out there, I wonder if he's going to. And Lonzo Ball, like, I, I don't think teams would love playing against him just with the way, the way the ball whips around as fast as he can play. That would be a hell of a deal. If they could turn Ubre into Lonzo Ball, that would be a hell of a deal for them. Again, silence, man. There's like people just know. Anything I mean, else your, about your this points team, are man. so uh, powerful. It's so good. Yeah, it's like no, under, no. it's underlined them with silence. Do Let's Ethan get back Marcus, into the press conference. Yeah. Do they want to rant about Zoom? Or no. <laughs> <laughs> we are the victims of this Zoom revolution. <laughs> I just wanted to ask this: like, what is it really though that Damian Lee has to do? <laughs> like, oh, I know. <laughs> it's, uh, it's so funny, like. I mean, like, did Damian Lee tell Kerr he was voting Republican? Like, what happened? <laughs> what I mean, happened? I imagine, like, yo, I'm going to change that moment where Steve is like, yo, so we're going to we're gonna switch some things up in the start lineup. And when Damian Lee hears that, he's probably in his head like, yes, you know, I knew it. All the hard work has paid off. Yeah, let's go. This is my time. Yeah, we're going to go with Looney. <laughs> <laughs> like Joe, David Lee has done nothing but ball, and it feels like it doesn't even matter sometimes. He actually isn't shooting that well lately. He's three no, or four. Lately, he, three he, he hit one last, last night. Games. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, three or four. But I, I mean, I, I don't disagree with Marcus. Unless it's the ultimate Mister Patient, Steve Kerr, long play, letting it all fall out, and when they make their move to get Wiseman back in the starting lineup, guess who comes out? Kelly Oubre, and then you put Damian <laughs> Lee in there. Maybe that's it. I, I don't know. I'm just With trying Lonzo to Lonzo Ball in the second year. Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball. I mean, yeah, it just... Damian Lee might be shooting worse, but he's 63.5 true shooting right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, yeah, Mulder gets in there in, as the first sub in. You know, it's like, okay, I get it, but how has Mulder now gone from no playing to ahead of Damian Lee. Well, that's another that that that's a Jordan Poole conversation. Which, by the way, they're sending Jordan Poole, Alan Smiley Geach, and uh, Nico Mannion to the Orlando bubble. Now, plans can change, you know, with particularly with coronavirus. Like bodies might be needed at any point, but as of now, 
that's the plan, which is interesting. You know, honestly, that was one of my bigger issues I've had with Kerr's rotation so far is the fact that he went like a five game stretch where he just put Jordan Poole ahead of Michael Mulder, even though Michael Mulder was playing well. Yeah. Again, it's that long play, Kerr, I think, something like he just wants to get the guy like this is my chance to play Jordan Poole before we send him down. I'm playing Jordan Poole. Most coaches. It could no be to prove to Jordan Poole, like why you ain't, <laughs> yeah, why you ain't in the rotation. We might be overanalyzing it. I, I just because I noticed with Mulder, he loses guys off the ball. I, I think Edwards got a lot of separation on one of those plays against him. And I think it's just that. And I think he might be over indexing that and maybe under-indexing just the benefit of having shooting, especially with a shooting-starved team. Well, wait, Poole's not exactly locking Anthony Edwards up. Yeah, well, he might be doing other things and just showing more aware. He's uh, playing awareness. hard in practice, guys. He's playing hard I just like the practice. idea. I like the idea of how Damian Lee just pissed Kerr off one day. Like, Kerr was trying to show him something. He said, whatever, old man. I'm Damian Lee. The idea of that is hilarious <laughs> to me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Damian, that, that hard-headed, edgy Damian Lee. That guy, uh, man. <laughs> walking personality. He's there. flying around. He's diving for loose balls. He's doing everything he can to please the coach. He's Oh, he's clapping on the sidelines every big play. He's up there first, and then, oh, that guy. Can't play him. If he started blowing kisses after what he did on the court, I feel like Kerr would send him to the G League. I mean, can you imagine if Damian Lee played like Kelly Oubre? Like, oh, oh, my God. God. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's, that's a thought. That's a thought. All right, guys. I think that's it. No more rants. No more, no more Zoom Marcus call gets answer. to take us out. Well, he, he didn't start, but he's closing. Uh, yeah, we'll see y'all next week. All right. Yep. Great close. It's a great, it's a great time out. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.